Welcome to the Jay Martin Show. This is Jay Martin. Now, my guest today is the CEO of a company called Every Realm. Now, you may have heard of Every Realm because they're the company that spent $4.3 million buying the equivalent of a city in a virtual world known as the Sandbox Metaverse. Now, her name is Janine Yorio. She is the CEO of Every Realm. And with a question, the most active investor and developer in the Metaverse industry. They have invested in over 25 different metaverses. People who follow the space have probably heard of, you know, Decentraland or the Sandbox, but there are hundreds of metaverses being developed right now, all creating super unique experiences. And Janine is, is probably the most active, playing the role of, you know, property developer. She has acquired or built over 3000 NFTs for the market, but tons of side projects and just very involved in all aspects of metaverse development. So the reason that I wanted to talk to Janine today is because I'm watching this flood flood of capital just rush towards the metaverse space. And the investor in me is saying, okay, I've seen this rodeo before. Do I need a horse in this race? And if so, what should that horse be? And this conversation with Janine is one of many that I'm having right now to determine where or if I should be allocating cash. And if so, where to? Because the obvious choices in front of me right now you know, you could say you can invest in the super big players, you know, the big tech players, right? Like Meta, you know, previously known as Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, all have uh, their play in the metaverse. So you could buy that as maybe a proxy towards metaverse growth, but not really my style. I like to go a bit earlier stage if I can. So you could look at the picks and shovels companies, right? The actual developers of property and programs, activities and uh, assets within the metaverse companies like NVIDIA or AMD, you know, but the other option is to go after the currencies, right? The currencies that will be used inside of the metaverse. So you could buy the sand coin, you know, that will be spent inside the sandbox. But all of this, I don't feel like I have enough information to make a decision with absolute conviction. So I'm talking to individuals like Janine Yorio to understand a bit more about what the metaverse is, but more importantly, what it will become and why she is so confident. So super fun conversation with Janine, probably the best explanation from her about what the metaverse could become, will become, why she's all in. So here is Janine Yorio, the CEO of Every Realm. I hope you enjoy this. All right, what's up guys? Jay Martin here, investor and host of The Jay Martin Show. And I'm joined right now by Janine Yorio, the CEO of Every Realm. Janine, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I'm excited to chat with you and pick your brain on a, a web of directions here. So I'm going to cram as much in as possible. For anybody who's not familiar, though, with Every Realm or who you are and what you do, can we start with that? Just a quick highlight overview. Who are you, Janine, and how do you spend your time? Sure. So I spend my time working, almost all of my free time. But Every Realm is one of the most active investors and developers in the metaverse ecosystem. We've made investments in 25 different metaverse platforms. We own over 3,000 NFTs. We're definitely the most active metaverse real estate investor and developer. We uh, co-manage a gaming guild in conjunction with the traditional esports league. We build our own NFTs and metaverse activations in-house, both with our own intellectual property and in concert with traditional uh, licensing arrangements with bigger brands. We do lots of different things. And I think of Every Realm as really a holding company for the metaverse. Interesting. Okay. So there's a lot to pull on there. Some of my audience are going to be familiar with some of the things you discussed, others not. So most people who watch my show are curious about early stage investment opportunities and therefore the flow of capital, right? Where capital is going, opportunities appear. Now let's start with uh, 25 metaverse platforms. So we're talking about platforms like Sandbox, Decentraland, et cetera. 
and you've been most active in the sandbox. Is that correct? The sandbox represents the largest part of our portfolio. So in addition to having our own asset production studio, we also have an asset management business. We have three funds in that business line, one of which invests in metaverse real estate, one of which invests in NFTs, and one of which uh, is a much more broad diversified portfolio that invests in companies, infrastructure, and other things in the metaverse ecosystem. So the largest exposure we have today in terms of uh, current value is in the sandbox. And let's just put some numbers to this because I believe you're the largest investor with, it was a $4.3 million investment. You essentially bought a city. Do I have this right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually better to think of us as a land holder in that particular situation because the Sandbox also has LP investors in the company. We are not invested in the Sandbox as a company. Uh, conversely, the Sandbox is our investor. They're an, R, an LP in our company. So you'll find with the Metaverse and Web3 ecosystem, it is very interconnected. There's a lot of investments um, that we've invested in their company. They've invested in our company. We invest in their portfolio. Their portfolio companies are partner. Because the industry is so nascent, we all know each other. And we all understand how big the opportunity is. So we tend to work collaboratively and oftentimes invest side by side or invest in each other's businesses. And that's the situation with the sandbox and some other players as well. Very similar to traditional property development. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, where, where people realize that the total addressable market is big enough, you don't really have to think about it as being competitive. You can be collaborative and actually share more than you would in other industries where it's winner take all. Now, can we back up for a minute and talk to me about what makes you confident in, in this industry and this business model? What macro trends are you seeing in, in you know, just behavior, sentiment, activity, et cetera? Why I think it's absolutely uh, happening and why I'm staking my entire professional career on it. And then also why I think other smart people are doing so. So let's start with my own internal thesis, which honestly formed around watching my two children. So I have a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. And I think actually in this instance, it's like having two crystal balls because I can see the future and I watch them interact with technology. And in this case, in metaverse, the early adopters are children because the pandemic forced us all to socialize online, children more so than anybody. And they need the company of other children, something we all know to be, to be a fact. Mm. There were already multiplayer games where they could have social experiences like Fortnite and Minecraft. And they were already very, very popular before the pandemic. But I think the pandemic accelerated a trend where the game became more than just a game. It became a way for a person to do lots of different things all in one place from socialization to entertainment, which is the gaming component to audio chat and to more passive forms of entertainment, like watching other people play the game. And for that generation, children ages say eight to 15, these metaverse-like games have become their primary mode of interacting with technology. And therefore, their expectations from the internet are very different from ours and anybody who grew up without those multiplayer games in their life. They expect experiences with the internet to be interactive, to be social, to have audio chat, to have live chat, and to be something that you can actually walk into, like a 3D environment as opposed to a 2D website that has a scrolling UX. Therefore, I believe that as they age out of the child-focused metaverses, they will continue to have those same expectations from technology, will have adult-focused versions of those types of things, which is exactly what the sandbox is. The sandbox is Minecraft for grown-ups. And, and that expectation for, from technology is going to completely transform how the internet looks and feels for everybody. The children are there first. They're already living in the metaverse. So anybody who's an adult saying, you know, is this likely to happen? It's already happening. It's just not happening in the adult world yet. So 100%, it's going to be what happens next. Now, that's why I think the metaverse is a sure thing. And that's why I think 
I was so early into the space. I had this conviction watching this, this strange thing happen to my children where they actually prefer to socialize in this way. They prefer it over in real life um, activities, which is not a great thing, but it is in fact the case. Then we have a lot of external validation for this thesis, which is you have obviously Mark Zuckerberg, who's betting the ranch literally on Metaverse Change's company name. You have the big game players that are suddenly starting to announce and double down on Metaverse. You have all the consumer products companies that are trying to figure out Metaverse plays. So it's not just me off on an island having this thesis. You suddenly have what I think we can all agree are really smart people starting to invest heavily on this future, which is still you know kind of a long way off. The hard part with Metaverse is it's, it's, you can't really see it yet. You can with these child-focused metaverses, but then kind of projecting into the future and understanding what it will look like when adults are there is something that requires a bit more vision because it's not really happening at scale yet. Yeah, you're right. And that is the biggest challenge. I mean, for me personally, right? When you said you can't see it yet, like that, that resonates so well. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've, uh, I've scrolled around to Centraland, had to poke around, see what's going on here. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it because I see all the indications that you're discussing, which is cash flowing towards development, right? And I follow that money and look for opportunities because usually there's an avalanche of retail money coming down the pipe, whether it's five years, 10 years down the road, I'm not quite sure. But okay, I have a couple questions for you based well, let off- let me hit on that one because- Please. I, I feel like as somebody who is early in this space, it is my duty to help people gain a better understanding of what the metaverse is. I think there is a lot of lazy journalism out there that's misinforming people about what the metaverse is. It comes from a few different things. One is every time a journalist writes about the metaverse, they pull the same stock photo of somebody wearing a VR headset. Yeah. The metaverse is not about VR. And every journalist pulls one of the same 10 stock Getty image photos of that. And that's further leading to misinformation. It is my thesis that the metaverse happens 18 inches from your face and not with your laptop strapped to your face in VR which I think helps you to understand why it's something you can do more casually, like the same way we interact with our smartphones. You don't, you don't hold it here to the detriment of everything else happening in your life. You do it while you're also living your life. And so too will the metaverse be like that. The second is that when, when civilians go looking for the metaverse, they get stuck at Decentraland, okay? And they, and they think that is the metaverse. It is a metaverse. It happens to be the crypto-based metaverse that is the most advanced. But we're tracking over 300 different metaverse platforms. The thing you have to keep in mind, building a metaverse is building a video. And if you know anything about video games, it takes years to develop them. So just because the one that's most advanced may be a bit less than you might have been expecting had you watched the movie Ready Player One, does not mean that that is the category. What I will tell you is that there are so many exciting metaverse companies in the works and that it takes longer to build a metaverse than it does to make a feature film, right? So just kind of try to calibrate what that means in terms of how long you should expect these things to take and launch. And you'll start to understand why Decentraland is basically a prototype. It shows you what could happen. I think another very good place to look is at Second Life or InView. These are non-crypto-based metaverses that do have active user bases that actually are quite functional and have much more of an internal uh, economy than Decentraland already does. All of these things are emblematic of what the metaverse can look like and not just Decentraland. That's so funny. <laughs> when civilians explore the metaverse, they get lost in Decentraland. I'm like, that's exactly they what happened stuck. to me. They can't, <laughs> they can't find anything else because the truth is, even of the 21st, 25 metaverse platforms we've invested in, only a handful have launched yet. And most of them have launched in beta. The Sandbox, which is by far the most popular of the metaverse platforms, hasn't launched yet. 
you cannot go play in the sandbox yet. Mm. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about how early it is. We are, if you want to use historical equivalence at, at the days of dial-up, the days of AOL and Prodigy, and not, you know, we're not even at Google yet. We're still before the layers have started to build on top of this metaverse idea. It's super early. I really appreciate that context. That's, those are great analogies to drop. What's up, everybody? Sorry for the interruption. Quick note, if you enjoy these conversations, I publish a weekly newsletter and it's free where I share my top takeaways, lessons learned, and any action steps I might be taking as a consequence in the market. Sign up at cambridgehouse.com. I publish every week and it's free. Now back to the conversation. Your comment about VR, do you think that will change when the hardware gets better, when it's like super low profile, et cetera, lightweights and agile? I think, I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind with VR. People have been waiting for the killer application of VR for a while. And everybody was very excited to see that Oculus was the most popular gift this holiday giving season. Um, my children got one, they fought over it, and then I didn't see it again ever after a couple of days. The thing with wearing um, VR goggles, they're heavy, they leave your eyes red. And what's worse, think about it this way, and I think this is the easiest way to understand why I don't think it's how it's going to catch on until the technology changes. Porn is usually how new technology gets adopted. It's certainly what led the internet into its golden age. If you're wearing VR goggles, you'll never know when your mom walks into the room. And therefore, by definition, that use case can't work. And that's kind of, you can think about the practical applications. In order to wear VR goggles, you have to check out of life, right? Yeah. You basically become yes. completely useless. So I do think that AR um, and this idea of having something that's transparent, so you'll put it over your eyes, but still be able to see what's happening around you mm. is a more likely outcome as opposed to something that's truly opaque and means checking out of life. I think humans have come to expect a more casual interaction with, with technology Right? How many times are you talking to a friend and also playing with your phone or watching TV and also playing on your phone? Yes. I think the metaverse is just another form of procrastination. And you need to be able to do that you know, while your boss is watching you work, while your mom is having a serious conversation with you and not necessarily you know, all of a sudden check out of life and, and the whole world knows you're completely indisposed. It, 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 the way that VR technology is built today doesn't lend itself to the discretion we all need in order to sneak our primary forms of procrastination into our daily lives. Yes. Okay. That's really valuable because it's easy to, yeah, maybe read this lazy journalism or look at some visuals, maybe hop into Decentraland and assume that what this will be is all encompassing. It's where, you know, I will go like snow crash style. I don't know if you've read that book, but you know, and, and the way you put it, you're like, no, it's, it's the same. Like I'm not on, I don't live on Instagram, but I may check it when I want to procrastinate and delay, mm -hmm. you know, what I need to do today. So in terms of hardware, that's the indicator until it works for porn, we can't really expect widespread adoption. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, that's been the case numerous times over. Mm -hmm. I think, um, look, humans are ingenious and I'm sure we're going to figure out a better way to have something more immersive. The movie Ready Player One painted a very compelling picture of one version of how the metaverse is going to end up being. It's like this dystopian, all engrossing, you know, to the detriment of your real life version of what the metaverse is. My thesis about what the metaverse is is a little less destructive. The metaverse is what happens when the entire internet starts behaving like a video game meaning that all of the experiences, whether you're shopping or um, looking to book travel, become things that you can walk into and see your friends while you're doing it. So if you and I are both shopping on Amazon at the same time, I don't know that you're there and you don't know that I'm there. 
Mm. A Web3 metaverse Amazon experience is we walk into a store and I get a notification, oh, Jay's here. And Jay's like, oh, Janine's here. And we can say, hey, do you like these shoes? Are these cool? And I show them to you and you show them to me and we have a conversation and we buy them or we leave. So it's not that we're, you know, necessarily going to blow each other up, although we can do that too, but it's, it's about the idea that you can do a lot of the same things you can do in the current version of the internet, the web to scroll, but do it in a way where you actually step inside and see your friends there, have an audio or even a video chat conversation with them while you're there. Right. Okay. You know, you also kind of made me think about something else. Uh, when I scrolled around to Central Land, uh, as a civilian does, you nailed it. I expected, I don't know what I, I expected more debauchery. I was like, if this is a world that you could create anything, it's very normal. It feels like I'm walking mm -hmm. around an empty Las Vegas, right? That's what it felt. Yeah. And again, I think the developers of Decentraland are truly genius and they've done something really amazing. I think what we're going to see next is going to be even more exciting. You've hit on an important point, which is the metaverse has to be exciting for people to want to spend time in it. And it has to give you experiences that you can't find elsewhere. If you can find it, playing a video game or in real life, and it's better when you do it there, you're not gonna choose to do it in a metaverse. So the metaverse, and a, another example I like to think of is like Westworld. I don't know if you watched that show, but it, it gave you a lot of things if, if you could have actually done it. Time travel, the ability to kill people and have them you know, come back to life and for you to die and come back to life. And that is what being inside a video game-like environment can provide. It can do things that we cannot do when we're awake and we can only do in our dreams. Mm. And when the developers of the metaverse and more of them start to understand, it's not about creating digital twins. I think that's another thing the media has done a disservice. Like you get it, you know, football stadiums, like we're gonna build the football stadium, the metaverse. Okay, great, but why would I go there? I wanna go, I wanna go to the real one because it's exciting and you can eat the food and watch the play and hear the noise. The metaverse has to give us, you know, a football stadium that levitates and where I can hire a hitman to kill the player when he doesn't, at, you know, <laughs> make the touchdown, right? Like, yeah. It has to give us things we can't do in the real world. Otherwise, we're not going to go. Yeah. We're competing with too many other forms of procrastination for it to be truly addictive. Yes. You have to be the star of your own choose your own adventure action. Exactly. Video, right. And yeah. Choose your own adventure with no rules. No, yes. no real world no rules, rules, no consequences, no physics, holidays. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. No physics. Okay. So therefore, and you've invested in, did you say 300 different metaverse platforms? No, we've, no we're but tracking 300. Tracking. We've invested, invested in 25. 25. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so I could expect that the customization and uniqueness, right, of, of each metaverse is infinitely scalable to the point where I can really, you know, we're walking down five, 10 years down the road, whatever crazy experience or style of world I'm looking for, there might be a metaverse that suits that, right? And you could sort of scroll through a menu of, you know, adventure sports, uh, you know, yin out meditation uh, experiences, yep. whatever, right? Just think about it like the internet. If you replace the word meta metaverse with internet, it becomes easier to wrap your arms around what it yeah. is. The metaverse is just an interconnected network of websites that behave <clears throat> like social video games. So there will be big platforms that have the bulk of the traffic, the way that Google and, you know, Expedia capture a lot of footfall. But there will also be other much more niche metaverses, say one focused on, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, where you have this really strong online community. It doesn't appeal to everybody, but it's there and it's built for, for their entertainment. The same way that, you know, your hair salon probably has a website today. It's important to you once a month, well, maybe not you, but other people mm. once a month when they need to make, make a hair appointment. But the rest of the time, it's not a website that, that drives a lot of traffic. So right. there will also be metaverses, some of which are major portals and entry points for millions of users every day. And some of them are going to be really niche, selling things, offering experiences that speak to a small subset of the population. Okay. Okay. Now, 
how would I therefore, so right now I'm looking for opportunities to, to invest in the development of the metaverse. And I'm, you know, I'd say at super early stages to me, like I haven't found anything. I've got really a lot of conviction in the thesis. I'm just exploring and trying to understand what the heck is going on. And what I've determined so far is maybe there's a couple avenues you can go after the, the big tech players, developers like Meta, you know, Apple, you know, Google, Amazon will all have their horse in the race. It's not really my style. So I can look at, you know, the picks and shovels approach, uh, maybe companies like yours or would you, you know, uh, like NVIDIA or AMD or, or companies that are building and developing. And then maybe, you know, the higher risk would be to actually buy land, develop it. I'm not going to do that. Maybe buy the currencies, and hold them. That's more of my style, probably. You know, what are the avenues that investors should look at right now, do you think? I think you kind, you kind of hit on all the possibilities. It is a very difficult sector to, to play as a trade for all the reasons you pointed out. You can either make a, an investment in what I would consider to be a mature, large publicly traded company like, like Meta. Um, you can try to source your own early stage venture capital opportunities, either through your personal network or through crowdfunding platforms or your own ability to wrangle your way into syndicates. But these companies tend to be so hotly contested by venture that it's very difficult to get allocations. Yeah, There are, um, I think playing the tokens is a really interesting strategy. Uh, it's something that we certainly do. And I think it's a good way to, you can scale in, you know, you can buy one token or a million dollars worth if you want to and, and kind of average in over time. Um, but there aren't really great, very directed ways to invest in metaverse today. Um, we're working on that. We do have our own funds, but they are limited to accredited investors and for the most part catered to hedge funds, family offices, and traditional LP capital. Got it. Okay. And do you expect, I guess I've looked at, you know, maybe Bitcoin and Ethereum as just a really general proxy to the development and progression of the metaverse. Do you think that's an accurate relationship that I, I would- When you assume? mean like with the adoption of Bitcoin and how the trajectory it took as a, as a proxy for how you see metaverse catching on? Correct. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I don't know that they're really that correlated. I think, mm. I, you know, I've never actually, that's a really good question. And I wish I had a, a better answer for you. It's possible. Right. I think it's a bit more like video gaming and that I think it will go mainstream faster because it's easier to understand. It's going to be easier to see. I think the problem with Bitcoin is that the people that understood it really understood it and everybody else just like threw their hands up and they couldn't wrap their head around. And it wasn't mm -hmm. really until NFTs put a picture on blockchain and it you could see it moving around between people's wallets. People started to understand, okay, this is what what blockchain can actually do. And now I understand why Bitcoin is important because it can move around really easily. Mm. I think this is going to be much easier for people to understand once they see it. Once a couple of these really sophisticated photo real metaverse platforms launch, it's going to go mainstream much, much faster because it's a very visual. It's, it's, you know, it lends itself to pictures and exploration that anybody with a computer can do. Right. You don't have to be a blockchain engineer mining Bitcoin in your dorm room to understand video games. Yes. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And I guess if you're chasing the, the currencies or the tokens as a proxy, you know, you could get a bit, a bit more granular and, and go after like sand coin or something. I just see it as a bit more volatile, obviously yeah. be more correlated, right? The yeah. development of the sandbox. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about the, um, the metaverse tokens is yes, of course they're correlated, but they're not as correlated as, as you would think. And if you actually graph, mm. graph them side by side with Bitcoin and Ethereum, they track, but it's not perfectly correlated. 
Yes. Okay. Now you just mentioned uh, photo real. You're like, these are going to be photo real. And, and what I would say, you know, another reason that I left the central land kind of just not super enthusiastic was because the, the fidelity wasn't that impressive. And it's like very pixelated and kind of like, uh, well, like Minecraft, the video game. So I guess, you know, it's, it's on par. And a buddy of mine was like, well, look, you got to think about access, right? They want the whole world to be their market. The higher the fidelity, right, the, the better the hardware needs to be to utilize that experience. And if you're chasing mm-hmm. down the whole world as your user base, you want to make this, I guess, as simple as possible to process on, mm-hmm. on whatever hardware, laptop, computer the user is using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and you don't want to build something that can only be used on a, like a very expensive gaming rig. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a hardware hardware issue as well but i also think again i always bank on human ingenuity to the rescue so as much capital as flooding into this sector i'm positive that somebody's going to come up with an ingenious solution to delivering an experience that's not necessarily photo real but more photo right more photo real than decentraland i think that's an important um, factor for an adult audience in fact one of the reasons why we like second life we did an activation last week was a fashion show designed to coincide with new york fashion week if you want to show a dress that's beautiful and show a level of detail that shows the designer's real artistry, you can't do it in something voxelated like Minecraft, which just ends up looking like Legos. Yes. So we actually did the fashion show in the Second Life because the Second Life has a, a video quality that is much more realistic. And we're able to show the fabric moving and mm. avatars that look like <clears throat> models, the proportions that look like models. So there are examples of metaverses that are a bit more photo real. They're just not built on the blockchain. Or they, and the ones that are um, slated to have that level of quality haven't launched yet. That, That's that right. have crypto haven't launched yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a mistake that we often make, right? When looking at a new technology, we see it as it is today and then maybe think about it as it is today, as opposed yeah. to what it will become. You know and what I mean? what it can be, what the possibilities can be once, yeah. um, once the newer entrants come to, come to market. Yeah, that's the oldest story in the book when it comes to watching tech adoption and, and progression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I know we're bumping up against the clock here. So last question for you, Janine. What are you most excited about at every realm right now? What's in your future that you're just super jacked about? I mean, the, the number of opportunities that we're seeing. People who are very visionary are so excited about the metaverse and they have such amazing ideas when it comes to building content. And given the situation we're in, which is, having gotten in a bit earlier and having delivered on some really high quality projects that have really broken records and, and been very viral in their internet footprint. We're working with a lot of those content creators and it's, I think it's amazing. I think 2022 is going to be the year of development and 2023 is going to be the year that all of these projects start coming to market and it's going to be mind blowing. It's probably right off all in real life experiences in 2023 because we're all going to be at home sitting in the metaverse <laughs> you know, doing all these these cool, warped, interesting things um, yeah. without leaving our house. Okay, so one last question. I know I said that was my last. I lied to you. That's so okay. I would rather <laughs> sit in a room and interview you right now. That's how I would rather do these conversations. Right. Um, would I be smarter, Janine, to pursue a physical studio in a town like Austin or, or Miami where guests would be inclined to travel to? Or should I hunt down some kind of a, I don't know, pursue? When can I do this in the metaverse is my question. The issue, the biggest issue is audio quality. Right mm-hmm. now, um, you really want to have better audio quality than the metaverse allows. And in fact, you know, as a metaverse company, we're also waiting for the day when it makes sense for us to conduct our meetings in the metaverse. We use Zoom. 
And yeah. what I will tell you is I think the metaverse is still being pieced together. It's still a patchwork quilt. The metaverse is Zoom. It's happening on Discord. It's happening in places where because the metaverse one-stop technology solution doesn't yet exist, people are having to find their own ways to connect communities in a way that is interactive and social, like these ultimate metaverse platforms will be. And for now, um, video chat is a better forum, a better, a better mode than doing it in the metaverse. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, I see but that too. If you were if you were to make me travel to Austin, I probably wouldn't have done this interview. Not that you're not great, but um, there is certainly a an allure to me not having to leave New York City in order to do this. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I I completely agree. It's uh, yeah, two sides to that one. Okay. Look, Janine, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'd love to catch up again sometime. Thank you. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor follow or subscribe to this podcast. Drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.